want to start a series on the subject of uh, four major criteria that will determine your leadership potential and your leadership progress. Your leadership potential and your le and your leadership progress. There basically are four major criteria. And I'll just tell you what they are and then I want to do something, read scripture and then come back to them over the next few teachings or messages. The four major criteria that will determine your leadership uh, potential and your leadership progress are what you are, secondly, what you can do with what you are, what he can do through us and us doing what he told us to do or tells us to do. Can I say that again? What you are, that is, well, we'll come back to that in a moment. What you are, what you can do, what he can do through you, and us doing what he has told us to do. I'm going to read Luke chapter 19. I mean, not Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 25. And I want to pick up in the um, 14th verse. It says, again, it, this is talking about the parables of the kingdom again. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Now, this is about the kingdom of God. This is about Jesus being king and us being the church and his loyal servants, those that he entrusts his property. The church is his. All of the redeemed are his. First and foremost, they belong to him. Everything uh, on earth really belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of the, thereof. And so... He entrusted uh, his property to them. To one he gave five talents. Now, it's this is like God saying, I see this man, I'll give him five talents. And another man, I'll give him two talents. And another man, I'll give him one talent. You see, it's God entrusting, God allocating, God giving to us because of what we are. Now, you'll see what I mean by that in a, few, a little while. So he says, in, he gave... He gave um, to one he gave five talents, to another one uh, two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. What you are and what you can do. Alright, reading on. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. In other words, he's saying, I've given you this, I've entrusted you with all this. I gave you five talents, you two talents, you one talent. Show me what you've done with them. I've entrusted them to you. I'm with you. I enable you. I equip you. Now, what have you done with what I've provided for you? So he goes on and says, The man who had received the five talents went, went at once and put his money to work. And what had happened? He gained five more. So also the one who had two talents gained two more. So they went to work immediately. They were faithful. They straight away did what God uh, gave them. He used, they used it uh, doing what God wants them to do. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the, one, the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. 
It's wonderful. I give you five. You've been faithful. I'll give you five more. See, what God entrusts to us initially can grow. We don't have to be stuck in that. Moving on. The man with the two talents also came, Master. He said, you entrusted me. You entrusted. I love that. He entrusts to us. I entrusted you. entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done. See, good and faithful servant, you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So God is just wanting us to be faithful with what we have, what he's allocated to us, not comparing ourselves with the five talent or the, or the one talent guy, just with what God has entrusted to us. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and I hid your talent in the ground. So here it is. Here is what belongs to you. I'll just give you back what you gave me. And that's not faithfulness. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servants. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the, with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And so he says this, take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. So he had five, was allocated five. He got five back and five more for being faithful. And then he gets another one. It's just increasing. <laughs> Wonderful. God is so good. For everyone who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. And then it says, and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, before I touch these four criteria that I was talking about, I just want to remind you, for us in New Covenant Ministries, we were birthed in our togetherness. We were birthed to be radical, to model a people totally committed to God, sold out to truth, un uncompromising truth. The truth of the entire word of God. Can I say that again? Sold out to truth. Uncompromising truth. The truth of the entire, from Genesis to Revelation, the entire word of God. We would not give in to the pressures of the unbiblical church. To the preferences of the saints. The preconceived ideas of the preachers. The prejudices of the legalists. The pampering of the licentiousness, the licentious, or the politically correct, politically correct humanists. We would not give in to them. These un, that's the unbiblical church. We would not just sing about or speak about, sermonize or shout about the king and the kingdom, but we would submit to the king and his kingdom, the government of God, and surrender totally to the king, Jesus. We would not rip the sheep off. We would not settle down in our comfort zones or our convenient churches. We would go to the nations. We would pastor and care for our people, stretch them to become the best that they could for God, full of the Holy Spirit, obedient to the word of God, building according to the biblical pattern. 
We would dance, we would run, we would be passionate and zealous, uncompromising and pleasing to God in all our ways and what we are in Jesus. We would be radical, not by, by being weird in the way we talk or legalistic or super spiritual in our behavior, but by our absolute commitment to, the, to God's word, even when it demands sacrifice or being misunderstood. Stood. Not just doing church, but only doing what we see the Father doing. And so, with that in mind, that's what we were birthed into. And remember this, that God wants the impetus and the impact of that to ever increase, not to get less. God wanted us to break the mold. We that relate to this team, to break the mold, not start tapering off, but getting stronger and stronger. The impetus growing, the potency, the effect and impact ever increasing. And so with those four things, with that in mind, I want to just try and touch these four criteria that will determine your leadership potential and your progress. Remember I said, when I started this, I said, number one is what you are. Now, this is not necessarily the way that God has given it as uh, the order of importance. These are just the, some of the factors. What you are, not who you are, but what you are. That has to do with what God has called you to be and to do. What you are, to be and to do. Not just doing but being and doing. In other words, let's break that down a bit. The ministry God's called you into. Has he called you to be a pastor? To be a prophet? To be an evangelist? A teacher? A shepherd? What, what is it that God's called you to be? Don't try to be a pastor if you're an evangelist or vice versa. Don't use one office as a stepping stone to another. Maybe you could just read Acts 13 verses 1 through to 3. But Paul was able to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1 that I am an apostle by the will of God. And you need to know what your calling is, what God has called you to be. Then it's not only your, your ministry, but it's all, well, we're talking about still your call, but your ministry, what has God called you to? But then your capacity, just as we read here that God gave some five Talents, others two talents, one two, and someone one talent. What is God? What capacity is God entrusted to you? What does He see you to be and able to be and do? So the captains of tens, captains of fifties, captains of hundreds, and captains of thousands, as Exodus chapter eight verses twenty one and twenty two tells us. And so this is a God given thing. This is not something you choose. It's what God gives to you. So whether you're a pastor, an evangelist, a prophet, a teacher, an apostle, a deacon, an administrator, any of the, uh, the fivefold gifts expressed in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through to 13 or Romans chapter 12 verses 6 through to 8, have a look at them for yourself. But be honest about yourself. What are you? What's your capacity? Otherwise, if you're not honest with yourself, now I'm not saying be honest with yourself and then limit yourself to what you are now. But if you don't see what God has entrusted to you to some degree, and, if, and we'll see it later on how we can 
know some of that, a little more, be a little more sure of that, because a lot of people think they're bigger than they are, and a lot of people think they're smaller than they are. And, and I'm saying, we've got to just sit before God and weigh upon God and, and try to find out. And sometimes with uh, the team, that the translocal team or the team of elders that you're with, or even with your spouse, you can discern with integrity a little more of what you really are. But don't limit yourself to that. But if you don't come to terms with what you, what you are presently, to some degree, you'll never get that with total accuracy, but you're going to live in total frustration, always trying to be something that you can't, and always trying to achieve something that right now you're not able to achieve. Are you with me on that? I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. I know you can say to yourself, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, you can only do what Christ has called you to do. I can't walk on the ceiling upside down because God, I can't quote that scripture and say, well, look, I can walk on the ceiling because God says I can do all things through Christ. Now, God never called me to do that, to walk on the ceiling upside down. It's what God has called us to do and to be. So, um, be honest about your capacity. Otherwise, you're constantly frustrated, but never limit yourself to that. God can and will give you more if you are faithful with what you are now and what you have now. So, what you are, first of all, your core. That's your capacity in ministry. Secondly, in that, still under what you are, your cooperation. Yes, you call what he's called you to be and to do, but then will you cooperate with what he's called you to be and what he's called you to do. And that involves a few factors that I'd like to just spend a few little moments on. One is your prayer life in private and in public. Your prayer life when at the prayer meeting and when you're alone in your closet, alone with God. If you're just praying only for you, like a, a, a wish list, God, I've got this wish list every day. That's, that's my prayer life. Do this for me. Do that for me. Get me out of this mess. Do this for me. Now, if you're not praying beyond that, if your prayer life is limited to just a little wish list, you, you, you're never going to really develop into uh, 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 what God wants you to be and see the progress that God wants uh, to be worked out in and through your life. So it's in public prayer, pr private prayer, the prayer meetings, you're in your closet alone with God, praying for, for nations, praying for the salvations, of people, for church planting in church, in, in, in the different nations around the world, praying for the city that you live in, for its economy, for the country you're in, its economy, its morality, praying for our politicians and praying for the, for the church and the churches around, praying for the nations. Remember what I keep quoting, Psalm 2 verse 8, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. So we need to be praying for all these things, our prayer life. And then moving on quickly, our faith life. If you read Isaiah 54, verse 1 through to 3, you see that we're to stretch, we're to deepen our stakes and stretch our cords. Uh, our faith life needs to be increasing. Read Isaiah 54, verses 1 through to 3. I think we'll come back to that later anyway, but read it for yourself. In other words, what I'm talking about, if you can't trust God no matter what, no matter what comes your way, how difficult things come become, have, if you can't pray for, for breakthrough and trust God for, uh, for deliverances, if you can't trust God in your finances, 
difficult situations, opposition, discouragement, all those things that come our way, those things will just cramp our style, weaken us, shrink us, and we'll never be ever progress in God, and our potential will never be realized. And then there's patience. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Those who through faith and patience, they're the ones that inherit the promises of God. So impatience makes us blow it. See, I'm hoping that you're saying, God, these are some of the things I need to deal with in my own life. Uh, God will, we can use anything and everything that comes our way to help us to develop and to grow, to grow stronger, more effective. And then our value system. To be word-based in every single thing. How much of what I'm teaching or what you're teaching or we allowing to be taught into the church that we're part of the leadership of is biblical and how much is just good ideas, novel? How much is based on the Word of God, repeated throughout, the, from Genesis to Revelation, the truth that is Bible? Not just something that I take, a text that I make sound like it means this when, it, when we check it through the Word of God. We don't see it consistently taught. So... Our, our value system is to be word-based. And then our value system also includes what we're willing, the price we're willing to pay. If, we, if something's not of value to us, we won't pay the price. As a, as a group, as a leader, be it a small group, be it a leader of a, a church, a leader on team, a huge church, leader of a, of a translocal team, whatever it is, if you're not willing to pay the price to mentor people, to spend time with them, mentor them, uh, like Jesus did with the apostles, it's going to definitely restrict your potential and your progress. We've got to give ongoing, meaty, stretching handles in leadership training. Spend time with people. And then, of course, your value system. I wonder how valuable, what value you place on this living what you preach. Only preaching what you practice and practicing what you preach. Part of our value system is also that we ensure that all our people are, first of all, really are truly saved, that they're baptized. That they baptize in the Holy Spirit, that they're discovering their gifts and exercising those gifts, that they're walking in grace and obedience, true grace and true obedience to the entire Word of God. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, and then have a look also at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Also ensuring that our people are witnessing for Christ. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Are our people witnessing for Christ, sharing their faith? Have we taught them how to do that? How to share their testimonies? And are they involved in the Great Commission? And I know I've touched this in other uh, messages that I've preached, but please, we're called to the Matthew 28, 18 to 20 Great Commission. Not, don't let it be in our church for anyone, the Great Omission. Only if they willfully disobey but we should be opening doors, asking God to help them, preaching the truth, encouraging people to go with us. And then moving on, it's not only our patience and our faith life and our prayer life and our value system, but our perseverance. 
ignoring and overcoming discouragement, opposition, criticism. Read for yourself Luke chapter uh, 8 verse 15 and Jeremiah chapter 5, 15 verses 16 through to 21. Read those scriptures for yourself. And then discipline. This is a, the sixth little characteristic I'm talking about under this little heading. Discipline. You, you need, to, you know, I don't know that people understand this or are willing to face it, but you know, you can actually appear to be successful even without God's endorsement or backing of your ministry, just by your charisma, your communication skills, your programs that you put on, you surround yourself with people. Those things can make you look like you are successful when you're actually not. And so when we talk about discipline, we're talking about exercising as well, physical and spiritual exercising, sharing our faith, preaching the Word of God. It's eating, our physical diet, that we're eating the right foods, keeping ourselves fit and strong, but we're eating a lot of the spiritual diet as well, getting a healthy, well-balanced uh, diet uh, of the Word of God, the meat and the milk, the honey, all these things, bread. What about just being punctual, starting our meetings on time, being on time when we um, we make appointments with people? These are the little foxes that spoil the, the vines. If we're not being faithful, disciplined in all these areas, punctuality, our study of the Word of God, our preparation of messages, we've got to be disciplined. And can I just say this too, please? If you're one of those guys who says to people, I'll call you tomorrow, and, and you don't, you're not being disciplined. Apart from the fact you're being dishonest, you're not being disciplined. Fulfill. If you say on your, your, your phone, I call, I'll call you back as soon as I can, then be, do it. Or otherwise take that off your phone and then be a true, a true team player at, at both a local and a translocal level. Understanding that the translocal team multiplies your and your church's call, its giftings, and its anointing. Be a true team player, not always desiring or insisting to be number one. Not always doing all the visible ministry. How often I see God, the visionary God gives all the visible ministry, and then it's like a one-man show, and then he allows, he gives the dirty work, the behind-the-scenes stuff, to the rest of the team. And remember, please, that the team, the A-team, is the whole church. Not always, you know, even Jesus, would, uh, who could do everything the best, gave other people uh, opportunities, even though they couldn't do it as well as him. This is all part of being a true team player, truly understanding what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31 means about we need each other. That my eye can't say it doesn't need my ears, and my ears can't say it doesn't need my mouth or my nose. Every part of my, the whole body is absolutely essential, and that's true in the body of Christ. And so to, to, to bring this first session to a close, I look at it, it's 23 minutes gone. Just give me quite a few scriptures to you in close off. Paul's injunctions to walk the talk. In other words, to be an example. He says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Be imitators of me or follow my example, as another translation says. 2 Timothy 3.10 says this, You know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, 
my patience, my love, endurance, persecution, suffering, etc. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, he says, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. Walk the talk. Philippians 3.16-17, he says, this Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. In 1 Thessalonians 1, Thessalonians 1, 6, he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. <laughs> you know, we say imitate the Lord, but don't imitate us. Well, he said you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Walk the talk. People know that we're not perfect and make room, they'll make room for our imperfection or our occasional failure, but not our, that, that's our lifestyle, failure all the time. In 2 Thessalonians, I've only got two scriptures left and we'll close. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 and 9, it says this, Follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night, night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this, and he tells us why. Not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. Titus chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. Well, we'll come to the next part of this first little criteria that makes us uh, reach our potential and, and to move our progress beyond where we are today. But in Jesus' name, now, Father, will you just help your servants, your sons and your daughters, whoever listens to this word, answer the prayers that I've cried out to you on behalf of them all, all those that come under the sound of these messages, that we would be everything you want us to be, and that we would just bring joy to your heart, that you would be able to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. I ask your blessing on your people. And thank you for them. Every person who wants to say yes to you, I give you praise for. In Jesus' name, amen. God.